right. Well, I, I just pressed record, so this is the beginning. It's late, and I, I don't have time to count down, count to three to press record anymore. Hi, everybody. I don't have the time. You don't have time to count to one. Is what <laughs> <laughs> transmissions. Yes, uh, a podcast dedicated to giant monsters and Japanese fantasy. I am Kyle Bird, and uh, who, who Hi, is... I'm Matt. Yes, and we have a guest host in the form of Tom, who has guest-hosted plenty of shows with us. Uh, and it's a pleasure to have him back. Form of an eagle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shape of an icicle. <laughs> um, and it is October. So as uh, regular listeners will know, we are talking about uh, different, uh, more horror-centric uh, uh, movies this month. And today, I think we have one one that I'm really excited about and one that um, uh, is maybe even a little bit overdue, because uh, this was kind of uh, one that we almost did last year. Um, and we're talking about yokai. Uh, now, that is a whole can of worms, uh, and we're going to get into dig into some of those worms but we're mostly going to be discussing the uh the Daie films or i guess you would call them the Katakawa films now right but um there's the original trilogy from the 60s as well as um the reboot from the early 2000s uh directed by Takashi Miike and we're going to be talking about those four movies uh, and also talking about some trivia some some fun background um, yokai in general is, uh, just a whole, whole, like, gigantic thing to get into, um, but... You know what's crazy is that word, though, almost has a bit of, uh, actual, um, penetration in the, in, in the American pop culture, uh, lexicon. It certainly uh, does you, now, because there's... Yokai watch. Right, which... I am not a hundred percent familiar with, but I know it's a cartoon and a game that young children are like obsessed with right now. Yeah, so, um, and it's got yokai. Like it's it's actually you know like yeah, it has like legit... ghosts and goblins that are haunting cities and they're monsters and stuff. Like yeah, yeah it's and, it's and and yeah, no, it's it's huge with kids right now. So. Um, so yeah, this is that's probably the most that they've really penetrated pop culture outside of Japan, um, and that, that's really just the last couple of years. Um, but uh, get ready, kids, to talk about some <laughs> movies from the sixties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, uh, I'll ask you guys. Uh, are either, is anyone here confident in explaining what a yokai is? I could give it a stab, and and then you know I'm sure people can can tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> okay, do do your best. Um, I, I mean, I'll my, help you. I'm here for you. My understanding of what a yokai is, based on just you know some things I've heard, is based. It's it's kind of like um, you know how you would say like in a in Native American culture or in Greek culture. Um, uh, any sort of like a pagan religion culture, there would be a a god kind of attributed to everything. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I, I think Greek is probably the one where Americans probably understand that concept the best. Um, a yokai is a similar thing in in Japanese culture, but when when they talk about being attributed to everything, they mean everything. Yes, there are yokai. There are yokai that represent the spirit of untied shoelaces. There are yokai that represent the spirit of umbrellas. There are yokai that represent the spirit of rice, the spirit of it, it's the spirit of washing rice, the spirit of uh, bottle caps. It, there is a yokai for everything. Yes, uh, and, and, and it's, it's a way. It's it's a sort of a, a naturalistic way to understand your your world and your surroundings by attributing a spirit and a a personality to everything you are less likely to take anything for granted because um you know you don't want to just toss something to the side because there's there's a, a spirit associated with it there's a uh, uh something something cares about that thing um there's an otherworldliness to it, and there's an importance to it, and so, um, and that all kind of plays into Japanese culture and and their their entire outlook on the world of you know, uh, kind of being a little more minimalist and a little more uh, reserved and things like that because uh, and a little less wasteful because they that's part of their culture as a as an entire nation is that there there's these yokai that kind of inhabit literally everything um and and that's my understanding yeah basically and and there's some that are not associated really with anything like there's 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 kappas or kappas which are just water spirits and and you know they eat your they will eat your soul through your anus if you're bad and stuff like that like mm-hmm. um there's 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 all kinds of crazy stuff happening in the world of yokai, but that's my take on it. I understand. Yeah, that's not wait to see the Rule Thirty Four Kappa movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty accurate, uh, actually. Um, I mean, I, I would really only add a couple caveats to that. Um, yeah, a lot of them are used to explain, yeah, everything, but also just things that maybe uh, at the time because. Thing is, yokai are these creatures. This this goes back centuries, centuries, centuries. Uh, the ancient, ancient Japan folklore and uh, in, in mythology, and um, so we're talking a long, long, long time ago. So I mean, before they could really rationalize things with science, they would un, things that are unexplained would be, oh, it was uh, this creature, you know. Um, like there's one uh I forget what it I forget like the Japanese name but it, it's basically called a, like a ceiling licker and it's like you know your ceiling like say that's there's moisture and it starts to turn kind of brown it's like oh the idea is there's this yokai that would just come into your house and lick the ceiling <laughs> and that's why it's brown <laughs> so I, or uh you mentioned right, the yeah there's there's one that um all he does is sits and counts and washes beans because it's like, oh, what's that sound? It sounds kind of like someone's washing beans. Oh, it must be the bean washing creature. So, <laughs> so yeah, and and there's hundreds and hundreds of these things. Um, and just now, I think within the last ten years or so, even um, you know, there's finally some books and stuff that you can read up on. Um, 
I'll probably give out some some recommended literature for for people to check out. But um, but yeah, the, the essentially, yeah, you you pretty much nailed it on the head. Um, and uh, another, the only other thing I would add is um, they're often kind of described by people as. Uh, oh, well, they're Japanese ghosts or apparitions or goblins, ghouls, monsters. Uh, but the truth is they're not really any of those things. They're kind of their own thing. The yokai is a yokai. Um, you know, none of those words really kind of describe what they are. Um, so They got um, left behind of other versions of the Matrix. <laughs> right. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but, um, so yeah, Yokai Watch is definitely probably the most popular one right now, but I don't think they call them Yokai, but in Spirited Away, there's, there's certain Yokai, uh, present. Um, if people remember, like, uh, the Nintendo Mario game, that, like, flying raccoon thing that he turned into was uh, a Tanuki, which is a, a Yokai who actually, the actual Yokai, one of his features is actually enormous testicles. Uh, which was not <laughs> featured in the Mario game. <laughs> but if you Google uh, Tanuki, you'll see some uh, drawings that feature, like, he, like he'll, like, use them, like, to, as a weapon and stuff. Um, <laughs> the most famous actual yokai is probably the Kappa, which is the water imp that, that Tom spoke of. And uh, in these movies that we're talking about, he's, you know, kind of a friendly, jovial, kind of comic relief character, but... Uh, Truth is, well, I guess it's fiction, but so not really truth. But uh, the actual like story of the Kappa is, is terrifying. Basically, he lives at the bottom of lakes and ponds, and um, I kind of like you know your parents say like, oh, don't don't swim too deep in that lake. But basically, they they oh the Kappa will get you. But yeah, what they do is they they slide their hand up your butthole and rip out and feed on entrails and they really like children's entrails um and the kappa would is i mean they're everywhere um in japan like there's street signs with kappa on them and they're made they're not now they're considered like often seen as like these cute little water creatures but their actual origins much darker i think there's a, a zelda game uh that had a kappa um and uh, they love cucumbers also, um, and but yeah, they're these. Uh, they're sort of part turtle, part frog, part human, with like a kind of a bird beak, and they have an upside down dish on their head, which is supposed to be filled with water and keeps them moist outside of water. Um, and yeah, if you want to appease them, you give them a cucumber. Uh, so yeah, it's just these really bizarre creatures. Um, and G- the, like I said, there's hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of these things. Um, now, uh, we are going to talk about, uh, Daie, you know, I mean, we spent a lot of talk- time talking about Toho movies, but, um, we're going to, we're going to go to our friends at Daie who, you know, the Gamera and Daimajin, uh, movies, um, I guess after those two, their next famous series of monster films would be the Yokai, uh, series, and, uh, we're, we'll start with the original trilogy, um, which is uh, 100 Monsters or 100 Ghosts, uh, whichever title you prefer, Spook Warfare. 100 Stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Along with Ghosts. Um, and uh, I think one of the reasons 
you don't see a lot of yokai stuff here is because it's such a out there foreign cultural dif- culturally different concept that it's really hard to sell probably anywhere outside of Japan um which is probably why when these movies did finally come out stateside in the early 2000s for the first time uh it was rebranded as yokai monsters um kind of to probably attach a word like monsters to it that, you know, us Amer- dumb Americans can, you know, kind of cling to a little bit. But um, uh, but there were three of them, um, and we're going to talk about those three. And then uh, in 2005, there was the reboot um, directed by Takashi Miike. And... Um, I guess uh I guess now is as good a time as any to start um but uh I guess uh, a good question would be why um why did these movies exist <laughs> you know why why did they make these uh in the 60s and um there is an answer to that um are you guys uh, are either of you familiar with uh, the name Gege no Kitaro? Household name. <laughs> uh, well, it's definitely not a household name here. Um, uh, Matt, are you familiar with the name Gege no Kitaro? I know that it's a manga series. That is about all that I know. Okay. Um, Gege no Kitaro was, yes, indeed a manga series, and since it's been turned into everything, video games, anime, live-action movies, but, uh, our story for today really goes back to, to that. Um, and, uh, the creator of, of Kitaro was, uh, Shigeru Mizuki, who is considered one of the big, huge, influential figures in in manga. Um, and a uh, pretty interesting guy, and in Japan, uh, famous. He just passed away a few years ago. Um, but he's one of, one of their most celebrated um, manga artists and, and writers. Um, but uh, he, he's an interesting guy. He was, uh, um, early in his life, he was... Drafted into World War II. At that point, he was probably in his 20s or 30s, and he'd uh, developed... I mean, all he did was draw. And um, uh, I guess uh, he got hit with the bad luck stick, and in a raid by the U.S., uh, his drawing arm was blown off. So he had to literally reteach himself to draw. Um and uh in the late 50s and early 60s um you know he he started to find some success and he uh uh came up with um the Gege no Kitaro manga which was about a little boy um who i think he i haven't read a lot of Kitaro my girlfriend actually really likes Kitaro and she has some of the manga i haven't read it but um, he, I think he's half human and half yokai. I'm not sure, but basically he just hangs out with, with a bunch of yokai and, you know, there's bad yokai that they have to stop. Um, and they go on a series of adventures and I've often kind of seen him compared to, he did 
for yokai, what kind of nerdy fantasy stuff, uh, what Tolkien did for that stuff, like how, you know, he made elves and dwarves and orcs kind of pushed them into pop culture and influenced things like Dungeons and Dragons. So he kind of did for yokai what uh, Tolkien did for those particular kind of mythological creatures. So um, when that came out, yokai had, that's what made, kind of made them just kind of sweep pop culture. Um, and that, that's a huge, huge property over there. Um, uh, uh, Mizuki has his own street dedicated to him with statues of all of his, uh, yokai designs. Um, there's actually a scene in the Mike movie where they show those statues and he has a, a there's a, a Mizuki yokai museum in Japan, which there's a scene in the Mike movie where they go to that museum. Um, so, uh, like I said, that, that in the sixties, this was huge. It had swept the nation. Um, and so Daie are like, oh, we can take advantage of that. Um, and you know, they were, I, I've said this on a few episodes, Daie were not known for monster movies or sci-fi movies and, um, you know, they had Gamera and stuff, but those were kind of exceptions. They were mostly known for their period dramas, which is called Jidaigeki and, um, so yeah, in in the sixties they had tasked um, uh, uh, the screenwriter, um, uh, his name's Tetsuro Yoshida, to write these three movies, um, and he is he also wrote all three of the Daimajin movies. So um, you know they they said you know we had a relative success with that kind of stick to that kind of formula that period um, Japanese formula and and mix in these genre elements Um, and that's exactly what he did Um, and so the first movie out of that cycle was uh 100 monsters it's called here i think 100 stories is probably the accurate title however you might see it called 100 ghosts um and uh the 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 jumping off point for that was um uh an old ancient japanese party game that rich people would basically play called 100 stories. Um, I don't remember the Japanese word, but it's not actually 100. It's, it's a word that it it basically means a lot. So it's not literally a hundred, but basically during these party games, um, people would sit around, they would get together at night uh, as rich people. They would get together at night and um, it's almost kind of like, a game like, oh, you're going to see a spirit tonight. Almost like Bloody Mary, if you've ever done Bloody Mary in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but basically, a large group of people at this social gathering would sit down with a candle in front of them, and they would tell a story, often about uh, a, a supernatural uh, being or something, and after they tell each story, they'd blow out the candles. And then when all the candles in the room are finally blown out by the end of the night, they have to perform a cleansing ritual. Because after, after you tell all the stories, a yokai is supposed to appear. And then, um, but to, to kind of uh, keep the peace with the spirit realm and the human realm, they have to perform a cleansing ritual. And by the end, the sun is up. And it's like, oh, we performed the ritual. So, but the, in reality, the sun's up and it's just over. Um, but, uh, so that's, uh, 
kind of uh, and you see a little bit of that in the movie. You see there's a couple scenes where they're they're doing this this ritual. Uh but uh I that was a pretty exhaustive kind of backstory on the origin of this trilogy. So uh, would one of you like to take over and do the plot synopsis for 100... I don't like the 100 monsters. For 100 stories. Don't all jump in at once. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess I can try, but I guess I feel like this movie's story is is a little thin. I can do this um, one if you want. Well, because we've lost you before, so... Um, Anyways, uh, it's, it's a story, it's a period piece, so like I guess that kind of stays similar to uh, these Dye movies, you know, I mean, the Daimajun movies are uh, period pieces as well. So, this is a period piece back in the, in the days of Samurai and Ronin and things like that, and um, uh, a town is being put into upheaval when... Um, these goons, these hired goons come in and uh, they start tearing down their their sanctuary for their, I don't know, like their town guardian or whatever, um, religious workplace. And they're like, like, why are you tearing that down? They're like, oh, because we're going to put a whorehouse here. Um, <laughs> they're like, wait, wait a minute, what? You're, you're tearing down my church to put a whorehouse there? And, and they're like, you can't do that. He's like, yeah, and on top of that, you're all getting kicked out of your homes because we're going to tear those down and build uh, other whorehouses too. Yeah, right, um, yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're basically turning the, the entire town into a whorehouse. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that doesn't sit too well with everyone. So they're like, they go and they try to uh, appease their, um, or appeal to their, their what is he called the the I forget what like he's the, called the, the guy who the magistrate yeah the magistrate and and they're like listen um these guys want to rip down our uh our sanctuary and they want to put a brothel and uh they they ripped up all of our our umbrellas like complete dicks like they didn't need to do that um they could have just moved them <laughs> that that's a great moment that's like a really like classically kind of cartoony villainous moment where the guy's like, wait, those, I borrowed those from people and they're like, shut up. And they're like ripping them to shreds. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, the magistrate is like, listen, I, I, I can't help you. Um, I, uh, I owe the, the, the guy who owns the whole territory is like, I owe, I owe him a bunch of money. Um, and this guy is just like a, he's douche. Um, and he's got like a boss ahead of him and he's like, he's like, Hey, isn't it great? We're going to go tear down all these towns and build like brothels and casinos and like, you know, like absolutely just exploit our citizenry. Isn't it great? And the guy's like, yeah, it's great. This is going to be awesome. Um, and, and they're just these there's jerks basically who are doing this just to be jerks and make some extra money um meanwhile the 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 guy who owns like the territory or whatever he's got this this bumbling son who uh who is like in his I mean, 20s yeah I think. well I, I, they pretty much say he has he's, he's, he's like, like yeah he's like autistic he's mentally handicapped 
<laughs> we'll see. Yeah, he's, he's in his like twenties and he acts like he's like six. Um, uh, and he's kind of the first person who introduces us in this movie to any amount of yokai, uh, an umbrella yokai comes and visits him and it likes him cause he's not a jerk. Um, but uh, that I mean, really, the whole movie is about like these guys are trying to destroy this town. Um, everyone's trying to stop them. the The daughter of the magistrate is really trying to stop them. Um, she ends up being like bartered as like uh, if you go and and go be a prostitute for um, the the high the high level guy. Maybe we won't destroy your apartment complex, but we're still you know turning your entire town into um, a, a brothel. Uh, and a Ronin kind of comes to help them. And um, towards the end, you know, also what's happening, the reason it's called 100 Stories is the, the 100 Stories kind of kicks off the movie, uh, that ritual that Bird was talking about. Um, that kind of kicks off the movie. And then the... Uh, the owner of the territory uses it as a way to entertain his boss, the, the high-level guy, um, but they do not perform the ritual correctly to stop it. Um, so while everyone on the yeah, human they, they side is trying to... Yeah, they pretty much cut it to, short, and they're like, and look, we like, have yeah. a whole bunch of dirty, like... Illegal yeah, 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 money for you. Yep. <laughs> they go. They go. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna perform the ritual in my own way, and his own way is to give everyone like some some gold coins, um, and send them on their way. And they're like, sweet, free money. Um, so he sends them on the way, and of course, then what happens is the yokai enter our world, and uh, and and they kind of exact revenge on these guys. There's also a moment in the, in the middle of the movie, there's almost like a story within a story um, where you get a, uh, during the hundred stories moment uh, that's in the middle of the movie. We, we see one of the 100 stories that's being told. Um, Mm -hmm. It's about these guys who go fishing in a lake and they're told not to take anything from the lake and they do take the fish from the lake and then they get cursed and uh, come across some of the yokai. And that's almost like your uh, your allegory for the movie as a whole. Um, you know, treat things with respect and the yokai won't. Uh, yeah, they won't come. They won't rip your soul out through your anus. <laughs> right. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, well, it's inter- well, first of all, it is interesting that. Uh, is this movie interesting? I just gotta ask that question because I don't. Yes. Is <laughs> um, it? Uh, well, it's the same screenwriter as all three of the Daimajin movies, and the same director, and it very much follows the same sort of formula. Um, in that you're really watching a small town just get fucked over by like the most evil bad guys ever, and that all builds to a climax where they're killed by. These monsters, in this case, yokai, and not a giant stone warrior. Um, the formula is the same. I think a lot of what's going to make you sink or make it sink or swim for you is it's a very oddly structured movie. Um, like Tom said, there's obviously the movie has that plot and it has a, the storyline, but there are like these vignettes um, uh, where 
you know, it, it tells another story. It's almost an, like, it's not an anthology movie, but it, it, it'll like, there's several stories in this movie, um, because of, you know, the framework of the 100 stories ritual. Um, so like it opens up and there's one where you see, uh, one of my favorite yokai, he's like this big hairy cyclops thing. Um, and then there's another one about these guys fishing in like this haunted pond, which, I laughed because when they show it, there's a sign in front of it that says "No suicides." It's like how, how many how many people had to commit suicide there for them to put up a sign? Um, but that turns into a story about um, uh, uh, one of my my favorite um, of the yokai, which is uh, uh, the Rokuro Kubi, which is the uh, the long necked woman. Um, and I mean, for a movie this old, the, the effect is, is pretty cool. Um, but, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I like, I mean, you guys seem a little down on this one, but I like this movie. I think it's, um, I I don't know if it's the kind of thing that, you know, a young kid would, would, or maybe should watch, you know, but, um, I kind of like the unconventional structure and, uh, there's a lot of really good set pieces, and um, uh, yeah, it, it plays out. It, it plays out decently well for me. Um, the plot is a little thin, uh, but I I think that's just because those little vignettes take up a lot of time. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I like this one. The reason that I have a hard time with this one is because the next two films are a lot better. Um, there are some charming pieces to it. The, the the snake lady or pulley neck or whatever she's called. She, that 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 effect is done really really well. Um, and the Ronin at the end of the film, we actually find out that he is like the he's actually a servant of the head magistrate above everybody, and he's been there the entire time to find out why all this stuff is happening to the city. So basically, in the end, justice ends up getting served, and that's that's a pretty awesome sequence. But I think. I just really felt bored, honestly, through most of it. It, it, it. Even for a movie that's under an hour and 20 minutes, it just moved really slow. And because I did watch these next two films like immediately afterwards, and they're, and they're much better, I just this one just didn't jive with me that well. There's not much substance there. There's a couple of charming pieces. The Umbrella Monster is pretty cool, but like that's not really enough to hold a movie. Um well, he and he also has that scene where it's like a little cartoon where he like comes to life. That's a really cool scene. Yeah, it's a cool scene, but like you can't build a movie around it. <laughs> no, and that that's kind of the that's I I'm kind of with you, Matt, for the most part. I think I mean I think what this movie's missing, and because it's it is it does play out a lot like a Diamagene film, you know, where there's this sort of like sword and sandal kind of thing, and uh, Ronin and samurai and magistrates and it, it's it's a disconnect in that respect of like I I don't relate to that cultural period at all in Japan's history like I just don't I don't know anything about it you know it's, I almost feel like it's probably what uh, foreigners feel when they're sitting down to watch a western you know like it's just not part of their culture it's this isn't part of our culture I don't relate to it quite as much and what we have is a movie that plays out very much like a Daimajin film, but lacks that quest element that the Daimajin movies have of uh, a protagonist or a group of protagonists 
having to go to summon the yokai to get the revenge for them to to put things at 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 rights it lacks that that following of uh of an adventure of of a protagonist and so we spend so much time in the movie with these jerk villains uh it is really satisfying them when they get their when they get their comeuppance um but there's not enough time spent with uh a likable heroic figure um yeah that the ronin is there and everything but he's often to the side and uh he's not really like he's not the one who brings the yokai you know like that's more of an unfortunate uh accident or occurrence brought on by the villains themselves so um I, yeah i enjoy it overall and yeah there are some i think the i think the pacing and the structuring of it is actually part of the reason why i do enjoy it because um it seems like every time you're like you're starting to feel like it just you're you're getting a little dull there's one of those little vignettes or appearance by a yokai or something that that kind of punctuates it and and brings you a a cool effect or a cool moment and so there's enough to kind of string you along um but there's just there's not enough to to build a a movie and a and a story around (laughs) i wonder if the screenwriter was like writing it and he realized like Crap, I already wrote this movie three times. <laughs> and then he was like, well, I guess to break it up a little bit and make it a little more unique, I'll like throw in these little vignettes because it jives with like the theme of the 100 stories. I, because, uh, I, I don't know, I, I think that because of the, of the screen time that those stories take up, you're pro- that's probably part of what robs it of, you know, uh, a more central protagonist and stuff, but... At the same time, that's also kind of what gives it like a little bit of a different flavor. So yeah. it's kind of like it's a it's it's, it's a it's, it's a double edged sword, really. I do like the giant head. <laughs> that's like a like the dude opens like the door and there's like the giant head just laughing, cackling yeah. at him. Yeah, so I, the, I mean, the, it, it we'll get it. I mean, the the next movie is more yokai centric, but um. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting ones. Like, there's one that looks like... How do I put... He basically looks like a little, like... He, he looks like foreskin, pretty much. <laughs> you know the thing I'm talking about? Are you talking about no face? No, no. No, it's like this little fat, like, penis-looking thing. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's it's called a nupepo. Are you sure you were watching the right? No, movie? no, no. It's called a nupepo. Uh, he has a speaking role in the next movie, but he's like a little like, like, <laughs> like penis looking thing. <laughs> but he, he, I guess he he's supposed. Been watching a porn parody of this. Uh, he's described as a foul smelling, genderless mass of flesh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> I, I, had to, I had to Google. The, the Peppo thing, but yeah, yeah, like I, there, there's a lot of really bizarre. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I, one of my favorite is favorites is the Caracasa, which is the umbrella one, and um, he is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I mean they're they're charming little creatures. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean I th- you guys have valid criticisms of it. Um, but I I still enjoy it overall, and um. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it does have a moody little atmosphere, especially in, like, the scene with the long-necked woman and the fisherman. Um, oh, that's 
amazing scene. Like just that scene alone is like that's an awesome, like really spooky short film. That's and that effect that effect is yeah. amazing in this movie. It's it's handled better like here than in the Mike film, in my opinion. I agree completely. Um but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know how many, um, how many, uh, penis monsters. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say how many, uh, churches turned into whorehouses. <laughs> do you, do you give this one out of five? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go, t- man, I'm going to go two and a half. I, I, it's not a movie that I want to watch. Like I'm going to watch Daimajin like before I watch this. But there are some moments that, like, I might come back and rewatch this at some point. Yeah, I'm at a three. Uh, I I liked it enough to to pull me along and pull me through. Um, and I liked it enough that if if this movie were available at the uh, same, because you can get Spook Warfare still uh, for a reasonable price. Uh, if this movie were available at that at that price, I would I would probably get it so um yeah i'm at a three okay uh i'm gonna go just a notch above and say a three and a half um it definitely has its issues um uh and it's one thing i appreciate about this trilogy is each movie feels different um i love the Gene movies but it's the same movie all uh, every time and while the these all kind of have similar ideas and themes present they all feel different um and this one feels like a just a a fun little distraction a fun little horror movie um so i would give a three and a half um so released the same year i guess we'll go to the the next one um is spook warfare or um great yokai war or Ghosts on Parade is another title it's gone under. Um, and oh. Yo- Yokai Daisenso is the Japanese name. And that's also the name of the Mike movie, um, which I guess you could call a loose remake. Um, and uh, I guess, uh, well, th- like I said, all three of them are different. So I think the first one and the third movie are definitely... I don't know that I would call them kids' movies. Uh, I know the ADV box recommends 12 and up, but I think even a 12-year-old would probably get kind of bored with them. I think the only one of these three that you could maybe say is a kids' movie is Spook Warfare, and there is a reason for that. Um, So we're going to go back to uh, our boy uh, Shigeru Mizuki and Gege no Kitaro, uh, one of the famous Kitaro stories is Yokai Daisenso. Um, now, uh, with Kitaro being an intellectual property <laughs> owned by someone who is not Daie Films, uh, they were like, "Well, you know, like I said, they want to, they really want to cash in on, on the, the Kitaro craze." They're, they they basically they 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 weren't going to get the rights to Kitaro, so they basically said, "Let's make the same movie or the same story, pretty much, but with without Kitaro, so we don't have to pay for anything," which is kind of a dick move. But um, but Mizuki, yeah, I mean, he'll get his due. Well, we 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 will get back to him. Like I said, is very important man. Um, 
Now, uh, his Kitaro story of Great Yokai War actually, I mean, similar, I haven't read it, but just from, you know, what I've been able to, like, read up on, um, I don't know that that one's even been translated in English. It's only been within the last few years that Kitaro manga has been put out in America in English. Um, But uh, I do know that um, the Kitaro version, instead of, well, in this movie, it's Daimon, who's a giant Babylonian vampire, uh, who is not a traditional yokai uh, that's made up just for this movie. Um, the The villains were actually the universal monsters, or I guess Western monsters. So it was like Dracula, Frankenstein monster, the Wolfman. Um, and my guess is, again, they probably wanted to skirt any possible copyright infringement, so they didn't use them. Um, and I have seen it interpreted that um, I read an essay that was saying that uh, the original Kitaro story, the those Western monsters were a stand-in for the American occupation. Um, again, I, having not read the story, I can't speak to that, but it's an interesting uh, take on this kind of story. Um, but, yeah, they weren't going to get the rights to that, so they basically made their own version of it, which was Spook Warfare. Um, uh, and I'll go ahead with the plot synopsis for this. Um, so kind of like the last one we have, uh, I should mention this one is not the same director as the last movie. This one is, um, uh, the special effects director was promoted to director for this one. Um, so it is not the, the director of, you know, Daimajin and, um, but, uh, so this one has, uh, some explorers, uh, and they disturb, I guess, the tomb of a ancient Babylonian vampire who um, is Daimon. And that is, uh, he's an ugly uh, kind of, uh, he has kind of an exposed rib cage. He's feathered. Um, he definitely doesn't, when you say the word vampire, he's not, you know, what you would expect. Um, but anyway, so he flies to Japan and he, uh, basically kills the magistrate there who is well-loved, everyone likes him, uh, he's good-natured, and he kills him and takes over, uh, he sucks his blood, and when he does that, he can, he basically can shapeshift into him. So he's kind of taken the, the role of of this this well-loved um, leader of this town, and um, uh, he is basically, you know, he's turning people into his servants, and just he's harvesting people. He's, he even says that he, he craves the blood of children more than adults. Uh, he's just a real asshole. Um, and he ends up... Uh, uh, taking over a house just outside of a little pond where a kappa inhabits, and he comes out and he can see he does he's not he can see that it's you know this daimon creature and he's like, what are you what are you doing here? And then they get in a fight and then he the kappa goes to his yokai friends and says, hey, this guy is killing everyone. He's taking over this town. We have to do something. Um, and they build kind of a rapport with um, you know some of the 
um, like the magistrate's daughter and um, uh, a samurai, and um, together they try to work to uh, take on the powerful Daimon, who at the end turns giant, and the yokai get all of their uh, hundreds of friends together and fight him. And that is the plot synopsis. Um, so if out of any of these three movies, if you're looking for a lot of rubber suits and monsters fighting, this would be the one to watch. Um, and a lot of our favorites from the last movie are back. The Caracasa, the Umbrella Creature, the Long-Necked Woman, the little foreskin thing. They're all here. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's one that I like who is uh, like a fox-looking creature that has a huge belly and they they can like watch it like a tv and like it'll show them what's happening somewhere um a lot of really out there stuff um and uh this movie is an absolute blast um so uh i'll defer to you guys for i guess the the review this one's a lot of fun uh obviously kappa brings some much needed comic relief you have a ton of monsters, or a ton of yokai, um, that kind of play and interact with each other. Uh, Daimon is legitimately terrifying at times, and there's a lot of really fun and innovative battle scenes. Um, the you know there, there's some really also some cool use of like giant hand props and giant feet props at the end of the, the, the final fight. Um, there's also a uh, Buddhist priest or monk who uh, chants for like ten minutes too long. <laughs> but, um, but you know, aside from that, like I, I really, I did enjoy this movie a lot. There's a, a pretty straightforward, simple narrative, good versus evil. Um, if you're looking, like, like you said, Bird, if you're looking for yokai fighting uh, another force, like this is the movie that you want to watch. Um, but I don't really have anything else to add. I don't feel like this movie is very deep. Like the other, the first film maybe has a little more depth, honestly. Like, this film doesn't feel that that deep. It's just more of, like, a supernatural monster thing that you have to defeat. Yeah, I mean, I can I can agree with that to an extent, for sure. But, um, you know, I think, um, I think there's actually some really good characterization happening here. Um, you know, in, in Daimon, too, uh, maybe in particular. Um, you know, he is, he's, like, so confident... And so cocky uh, that he is can easily handle these yokai that they're they're just a nuisance to him more than anything else. That uh, he doesn't even really attempt to kill them. He um, just kind of like constantly wants to embarrass them. Basically, um, like when he battles the, the the kappa and he rubs his head on the post until you know he's like, oh, it's too hot. Um, and then when he goes to jump in the water, he just turns the water into ice so that he like slips and slides on it. Um, it's, you know, it could be looked at as, as kitty and it, to an extent it, it probably is and everything, but it's also just kind of a great, like he's, he's just a jerk, you know? And he's like, he's so arrogant and cocky that he doesn't even kind of deign to, uh, worry about destroying his his uh, enemies and and those who might stand in his way he he just is convinced he can just you know I'll just do whatever like the bare minimum is to uh, to kind of get these guys out of my way um, and and then there's there's kind of that 
there's a lot of characterization to the to the yokai themselves too. You know, the the kappa is this uh, sort of lighthearted, kind of bumbling buffoon kind of guy, um, and no one really because he's a water imp. Um, and you know, I think that is a, a big part of you know understanding kind of that that uh, kappa are known as like imps and uh, very mischievous kind of creatures. Um, even though they're, you know, like, like we were talking about, they're a little bit more dark than, uh, than they're portrayed here and everything, but nobody believes him when he's like, uh, a monster came in and like took over the house that I'm supposed to be protecting. And he beat me up and turned my pond into ice. Everyone's like, uh, don't listen to this guy. He's, he's a Kappa. He's, he's a, he's just a jerk. You know, like he's, he's just, she's just playing a prank on us. Um, that that's a that's a lot of cool touches with characterization and stuff in in this movie, um, and uh, and yeah, we get a lot of then because because this movie is more yokai centric, we get some some just fun moments with them like hanging out and uh, and like just yeah just ha- just with each other hanging out just having fun not having fun but but trying to have a serious conversation and it's like this really bizarre. Um, like anarchic sort of meeting that they have because they're yokai. They're they're not. They don't you know s- subscribe to our rules and order and everything. Um, and and yeah, it is. It's this movie's just a blast. Um, the running time just like flies by. There's 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 a lot of fun. There's the great moment where the yokai like wear disguises to sneak into the. In, into the town um it's it's a lot of fun and yeah. there's actually um <laughs> when they there's a part where they're trying to sneak in actually one of my favorite yokai is the woman with the two faces so like oh yeah so like so she has the face in the front which is like a cute you know kind of attractive japanese girl and then on the back is like this really ugly face, like it's got like these messed up eyes and this big forehead and an arm where like her nose should be, and she keeps like talking to one guy with one face and then turning around and like talking to another guy, and the guy's like, "That's a really like she's she's cute, man. What are you talking about?" And the guy's like, "Oh, she's hideous. What are you talking about?" Like, uh, that was a fun sequence. Um, yeah, the the yokai really get a lot of moments like that to shine. Um, like, there's a part where the Caracasa, like, opens up the umbrella and, like, they, like, fly up to Daimon's head after he turns giant. Like, everyone kind of has, like, a moment. Um, there's a part, the I, I guess... The neck woman tries to, to wrap him up. Yeah, and he ties her neck into a knot. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's a part, I guess they, there's some sort of paper, uh, the... They're so, charms. They are weak yeah, to charms. Yeah, some sort of paper charms that they have a weakness for, and like I guess when they come in contact with it, they are like stuck in this like urn that they have to break out of. So um, yeah, there's there's a lot of really cool uh, stuff that they um, they really kind of take advantage of, you know, these things and their weird powers and. Um, even like, even the la- in all three of these, I you know they use like what has to be like dozens and dozens, maybe like a hundred even like different costumes, and you know it's all yeah, it's all really 
cool stuff. Um, and yeah, the art direction is really good. Um, and uh, yeah, Daimon is just a badass. I actually have Matt. You're a toy guy. You might know what I'm talking about. But like the early X Plus figures before they were like statues. Um, I have the Daimon figure that they did. Um, I got that maybe when I was in high school or something. But uh, but no, he's just awesome. Um, he's a this great movie too. Though this movie too is is very. I I think this movie is stylistically different from the other two. Um. Where and and so that's why you know like I had seen this movie first uh, before seeing the other two and that's one of the reasons why One Hundred Monsters like threw me so much is you know this movie the 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 yokai are characters and not only are they characters but they're very much portrayed as just being like physical beings existing kind of just along with us you know that just they pop out of the out of the water or out of the trees or whatever. Um, in a hundred monsters, there there's this like weird ethereal dreamlike quality to when they show up. Um, mm-hmm. that's not here in this one. They just they they just are characters, you know. So it's it, it is this this movie. It's weird because when you compare it to the other two, it's so different that you you have like a wondering of like. You know, I know you, you kind of told the origin of how it happened based on, you know, the, the most popular uh, story or whatever. But it, you almost wonder how it happened because it is so, so different <laughs> yeah. Uh, stylistically. Yeah, it, definitely. You know, um, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad it did happen. <laughs> <laughs> it should be mentioned that Daimon is played by the, it's the same suit actor, um Riki Hashimoto, who played Daimajin, and he was also the uh, the alien on uh, like the head alien on the ship in Gamera vs. Virus, and he was he actually, just passed away. Yeah, he just passed away too. He was actually, I guess, um, in Japan, he's mostly known. He was a professional baseball player, um, and uh, I've seen like Daimajin like baseball jerseys and stuff, and I never n- really knew what that meant. And I was reading, like, I guess an obit or a, an article after he passed away, and I was like, oh, that would explain the baseball connection. I thought maybe there's, like, a baseball player that goes by that, like, a nickname, Daimajin. But I was like, oh, no, it's the actual guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, he does, just like Daimajin, he, he gives a great performance just with the eyes. Um, almost comparable to, like, how, you know, Christopher Lee would act with his eyes when he played, like, the mummy or something. Um, and, uh, and that, like, his, his suit performances are what uh, inspired Subaraya to do the Gargantuas that way. Um, so, uh, another, another one lost, but, um, but yeah, I, I really dig um, uh, Daimon. He's, he's just a badass. Um, uh, but yeah, no, this movie's a lot of fun. It's a it's a big monster mash, and it's I don't know how you could watch it and not just have a good time with it. Um, and just like the last movie, it's really good viewing this time of year. Um, so I don't know. I guess I guess that's really all you have to say. It's, like I said, it might be a little more kid friendly just because of the. Which I think is intentional because of the Kitaro connection, but um, I think I don't think you have to be a kid to enjoy it. I think it's I think it's awesome. Um, 
so uh uh how many uh babylonian disgruntled babylonian vampires do you give this out of five i'm at a very solid three and a half uh, really, I mean, for for me, I really enjoyed pretty much everything about it. I, um, yeah, I mean, I'm guys- at a very solid four. I just, I think it's an absolute blast. I think it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of little great, you know, kind of character moments. Um, and yeah, like the the costuming is is a, a spectacle unto itself. I'm, I'm at a four. Okay. I'm at a four and a half for all those reasons. You know, their personalities and their quirks and their powers are all kind of um, central. So I think that's why I'm going to get into a four and a half. Um, Maybe uh, if it wasn't October and I wasn't super, like, just looking for really fun horror movies to watch. Maybe any other time of year, I might dial it down to a four. Um, but right now, I mean, it just fits the kind of movies I like to watch around Halloween time. And when I watched it again recently, it just, it, it just hit all the sweet spots for, you know, um, the kind of fun monster mash type of movies I like to watch this time of year. So, um, spook warfare. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Um, so I guess uh, we will go um, to the following year. It should be noted the first two movies were both 1968, one in March, one in December. Uh, the following March uh, was the third movie um, in this trilogy, which was Along with Ghosts. Um, and here we have a little bit of a return to form in that we're kind of done with you know uh kitty monster mash we're we're it's we're going to go more into well i it, it is more of a horror movie but more than anything it's a jidaigeki you know japanese period drama that just happens to have these creatures in it um and uh so yeah i mean the first one is a horror like a horror movie the second one's like a kids monster movie and the third one is like a period drama. Um, so like I said, I mean, one of the things I like is that they are all different. Um, yeah. But, but along with ghosts, uh, is the following year. And, um, uh, I can, uh. I can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, um, so this movie starts off with a, uh, a band of thieves waiting to ambush somebody who is basically carrying, um, a document that's going to prove that they are doing some very unfortunate things. And when they're waiting for this guy to show up, uh, an old guy named Jim Bay is, is there, and he's basically saying, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. If you do this, you're going to be cursed. And they tell him to get lost, and he doesn't, and then they end up um, attacking him. And then the guy shows up with this document. The These bandits kill the guy and try to steal the document, document then floats up in the air and actually and lands with this little girl little girl runs off it turns out she's actually uh Jimbei's granddaughter and he somehow makes it back to home before passing away the bandits follow the little girl um and they realize that they're that they, they realize that the two are connected the old guy and the girl 
and it kind of turns into this thing where they're trying to find the girl because they believe the entire time that she has this document. Um, Jinbei tells the girl to go back to a specific city because she needs to find her father. And so she leaves. She's trying to find her dad. And the entire time she's being chased by these bandits. Well, she runs into this guy named uh, Hayaku Toro, who's played by Kanjiro Hongo, who's in a bunch of the Gamera films. Um, anyway, the bandits have several run-ins with him. Um, he ends up killing one of them in the process. And then the eventually the little girl is actually captured. Okay, And um, it turns out that one of the bandits that was actually chasing the girl is her father that she was searching for. And so the head bandit basically says... He goes by a different name now. Yeah, he goes by a different name. That's, that's, a, that's a key component. <laughs> so they're playing... The, the head bandit says, okay, let's play a game of dice because the whole time, the reason the little girl is going to find her father is because he, she was given these dice. And this head bandit says, play me in a game of dice. And so she plays. And every time that she plays, she keeps winning. And one time they rigged the game, and basically what they're doing is they're saying even or odd, and she keeps picking even. One time they rigged the game so it's odd. They flip the thing over, and it's even again. And they realize that, they ask why, why these dice are special, and it turns out, well, the dice were made from her father, her mother had passed away at birth, and they're actually made from her deceased bones. And she's basically kind of insinuated she's like a yokai that's protecting the daughter. And then at that point, the yokai come into the picture at the very end of the film and they start haunting the bandits. The bandits run off into the wilderness and they start attacking each other because they think the same, like, they think each other are the, are the actual yokai and they start stabbing each other because they're trying to attack the monsters. And that's kind of how the whole story gets resolved. Yes, so. that's correct. <laughs> Confirmation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this, this movie, um, like Bird said, it's very like tonally similar to A Hundred Monsters, um, but I think for me it really improves on a lot of that film's flaws. Um, we actually have likable protagonists to follow this time in the girl and uh, whatever his name is, the, the the samurai or whatever who's helping her. Um, there's a little boy who's helping her too at various times. Um, th- these are likable people that we're following. And so as they're being kind of put into harrowing situations um, and they're on their quest, we, we, we care about them and we care about what's happening. Um, there's also despicable villains who are trying to murder a little kid and uh, they murder people right in the beginning of the movie. And they're, they're trying to confiscate evidence so that they, uh, can grow their gang unopposed without people, you know, knowing without authority figures, uh, having any evidence that they're, that these are the guys who are doing it, uh, and being able to stop them. Um, so there's, there's, you know, there's, there's understandable stakes and there's likable protagonists and, uh, there's despicable villains. And, um, and so, yeah, while, while it's got, uh, the least amount of yokai action out of any of the three <laughs> by and, far you know, <laughs> actually uh, yeah and really any of the four you know because uh Mike's film which we're going to talk about in a minute is is absolutely loaded with with yokai um it, it's still it, it improves on 
kind of some of the flaws of a hundred monsters um, to oh. where it, it ends up being uh, quite a bit more enjoyable uh, despite having less yokai action. It's a, it's a good, you know, like sword and sandal samurai kind of movie. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's like, um, it's a nice story too of, of, uh, a guy, you know, letting his family down and going off and becoming a, a, a bandit and a raider who ends up, um, you know, realizing he has made a mistake and, and, and atoning for them. Um, that's, that's a cool element of this story. Um, it's got a, a dark bent to it, of course, you know, cause here this guy has been trying to kill his daughter. He, uh, it's a little twisted that he turned the bones of his wife into dice for gambling <laughs> because he was that much of a gambling. Yeah. Addict. yeah he had some problems. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it gives it all a cool kind of unique feel. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was younger, this one, really didn't care for it and i'm sure you can imagine why because it's like where are the set pieces where where are the creatures where where are the monsters where's the yokai where you know what but um as an adult i really appreciate it um for the longest time this movie just really didn't click with me and you know like kyle kyle yount from kaiju cast he always often uh, would say this is like his favorite of the three by far, and for the longest time I was just like, "Why? I don't, I don't get it." But over like the last few years, like as I'm you know a lot older now, um, it's it really click clicks with me uh, in a way that it, it it didn't used to. You know, I used to be like, "Oh well, it's definitely the weakest by far," but now. I would even argue that at least plot wise and character wise, it's better than the previous two. Um, like I said, it's just, it's very much a period drama with a little bit of samurai, a little bit of yokai, uh, you know, some gangsters. Um, but the story is really good. Um, you know, you're, you're, seeing these gangsters follow this little girl. And, yeah, I mean, it, it should be s- stated that it, it's interesting that, you know, Kajiro Hongo's character, you know, he still works for, like, another, like, clan. You know, another, like, basically Yakuza clan. They're just not... They just draw a line at killing little girls and, and old people. So... Um, so even he, you know, I mean, is morally gray. Um, and so, I mean, it's, you, you actually have complex characters at work here. Like the father who, uh, I mean, it was just, uh, had all these problems and had a gambling addiction and yeah, turned his wife's bones into his lucky dice. I mean, that's clearly fucked up, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) so um, you know, so I mean, because of that, I don't know if it, it it has a child protagonist, but I don't know if it's a movie that you know kids would enjoy. I certainly didn't when I was younger, and that was like the early two thousands when I first saw it. So that was like when I was in high school um, or getting out of high school. Um, but yeah, over the years, I've I've really had a new appreciation for it. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, the even the yokai, I mean, they're here. You see them. Um, uh, at the end, it should be mentioned at the end of each movie, after they like win the fight and beat the bad guys, they kind of form like a giant conga line. And kind of like, <laughs> and kind of like party and like dance off into the sunset. They do that here, but um, but yeah, there's no real yokai centric, like really standout set pieces. Like you see, you know the the floating heads on fire, and you know the guys get freaked out. But you don't have the same kind of s- set pieces that the first two movies have. Um, but the story of this movie is good enough to that you don't need it. Um, and uh, like I said, it's not something I'd recommend to a really young person, but I, I think, you know, if you're in kind of our age bracket, I, I think that, and, you know, you have an appreciation for genre movies that are more character pieces, I think um, I think it's a really strong movie. Um, yeah. This is my favorite one by far, actually. Uh, and there, huh. it hits my sweet spot because, like, there's something about, like, an ad- the idea of redemption, plus it has, like, the... The, the father and child idea and like that, I don't know, ever since I became a father, like that always gets me like every time. And this is really well done and well handled. And you have this despicable father character who abandoned his family. Like he's a, he's a gambler as, as bird mentioned, he turned his freaking wife's bones into dice. Um, but then when he realizes the little girl who's been captured that he was actually trying to capture, he realizes it's his daughter. He tries to free her. Then he's trying to basically trade his life for hers at one point. Then he's begging for her life to be spared. Um, and there's something like really touching about like, oh shit, I messed up. I'm going to trade my life for yours. Like he, somebody who realizes the error of their ways and wants to make a change, like that resonates with me. That idea of redemption. So like for me, this is the most moving piece. And even though the yokai aren't front and center, they still do their part in the end to bring about that sense of like justice and vengeance. And that's the part that I think is also important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's, it's a really strong movie. Um, I did notice that this movie has two directors credited and it's the director of the first one and the second one. I'm not sure why, especially cause this movie is so light on, you know, set pieces and stuff. I, maybe they were just like, well, you both did pretty good. So I, we don't know who to do it. So you both y'all do it. I don't know. But, um, but no, it's, it's a strong, strong movie. It's a good drama that just happens to have some cool supernatural stuff thrown in. Um, uh, and Matt, Matt really relates to the guy who turns his wife's bones into dice. So, uh, Matt's wife, watch your back, (laughs) watch, watch your back while you sleep. (laughs) Yeah. So, So so uh so how many dead wife bone dice do you give this out of out of 5? Uh I'm going to go four and a half. Okay. I'm at a three and a half on this one. I think I just needed maybe just it, this is one that actually could I would think possibly go up to a 4 um but I I maybe needed just one more set piece. Uh, to bump it up. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Everything works about it, but yeah, there's a tiny little sliver of something missing, and maybe it's a little kind of m- more, maybe one more effects scene or set piece. And uh, I mean, for I'm going to give it a three and a half, but you have to understand that for me to give this movie that now, 
Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, I might have given it like a two. It's really climbed up for me, and I can only see myself appreciating it more and more over, you know, over the years in the future. Um, it's a three and a half, but a really solid one. Um, I, yeah. I, 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 it's, it's a strong recommendation. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's the trilogy. Um, so we're going to go, we're going to fast forward all the way to 2005. Um, and, uh, we have the great yokai war, which is a, um, uh, so in the early two thousands, uh, Katakawa, which was, you know, a big media company. I mean, there's Katakawa publishing, Katakawa pictures. Um, they basically absorbed Daiei forming Katakawa Daiei Pictures. Um, and when that happened, as a new studio will want to do, what franchises did we inherit? And they kind of wanted to... The idea was to resurrect all of their, you know, old tokusatsu franchises. Uh, and it started here with the Great Yokai War. The following year would be Gamera the Brave, uh, and Mike was set to direct a Daimajin reboot um, after that, but Gamera the Brave just landed like a just with a thud, and they canceled that, and and um, the Mike film was scrapped, and they ended up doing the Daimajin uh, canon TV series, which I haven't seen, but I, I mean I've heard mixed things about it, but I would like to see it. Um, from what I understand, there are a lot of yokai in it along with a modern-day version of Daimajin. Um, so, yeah, maybe one day that's something Matt and I will get to. Um, uh, but uh, Great Yokai War, um, like I said, it's basically uh, it's a loose remake of Spook Warfare or um, Yokai Daisenso, and... Um, I'll bring up Shigeru Mizuki again. Again, th this guy is, is important to these movies, and I mean, really, Japanese pop culture in general can't be understated, but I'll, I'll go back to him and uh, this movie, whereas the original Spook Warfare kind of tiptoed having to get him involved, um, this movie wore his influence on its sleeve. Uh, he is directly referenced several times. He has a cameo. And from what I understand, he was a consultant and was kind of on the creative, you know, committee uh, to come up with this, to, to, to make this movie. Um, so, uh, The Great Yokai War, um, uh, directed by Takashi Miike. Uh, Tom, you want to go ahead uh, and sure. do, do the synopsis for this one? Sure. Okay, uh, young boy named... Tadashi lives uh, in a small town with uh, his mother and uh, grandfather after his parents have been divorced. His uh, dad and older sister live in Tokyo. Um, the, uh, the he goes to a festival um, one day, and uh, this is this is after there's a really really fucked up early moment in the movie where a, a, a a cow calf demon thing is born. <laughs> uh, and this, this creature is like horrifying looking. It's, and a, it's, it's, like, a, it's such a Mike scene. 
Yeah, and it's like war is coming, and you're like, oh my god. Um, but uh, but anyways, he he goes to a festival and he gets chosen as the uh, Kieran Rider. Uh, Kieran Rider is um got something to do uh with the folklore of the town. He's a protector of good, um, and uh, he's supposed to go into the mountains and retrieve the Kieran sword and become like the, the true Kieran rider and, and get magical powers. And that's the legend of the town. And, um, he's, this kid is picked on a lot. Um, and it doesn't help that his grandfather confuses him with like his, uh, one of his dead kids. Um, his grandfather's like a senile, just maniac. Um, and his mom is never around. Um, so he decides one day that he's going to take this, this quest. Um, and he goes up into the mountains. Um, kind of at the same time, um, yokai are being rounded up by uh, a villainous spirit named uh, Kato or Kato. And uh, his who's this main lackey? What's her name? Um, uh, I, the character's name is eluding me, but um, she's... Girl in the white jumpsuit. Yeah, she's played by... Oh, Agi. Yeah, she's a bird-catching yeah, I... yokai gone bad. She's played by Chiaki Kuriyama, who most people would probably know as Gogo from Kill Bill. Uh, but she's in, right. she's in she's Battle also Royale. She's in Battle Royale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, they're, they're rounding up yokai and torturing them, and then um, using the rage of all discarded items from mankind, so basically junk and garbage, um, because remember what we talked about all the way back at the beginning of this episode is that the kind of the reason the yokai exist is to remind people that, you know, everything has a spirit, everything has a purpose and nothing should just be thrown away. Nothing mm-hmm. should just be used and then gotten rid of. Yeah. Well, so these two that, characters why, are now like, using. Yeah. That's a big like cultural, th- like in, that's why like in Japan, you won't, it's very rare to find like a thrift store because like you can't just give it, like get rid of something like, if you're gonna get rid of something, like you have to hold like a, they hold like a ritual while they'll where they'll burn it and they'll like release the energy properly. And yeah, if 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 it doesn't get, right. if if it doesn't get released properly, it'll like become this vengeful thing, you know. And um and yeah, he's he's using it to power what I guess is a a big kaiju really that's like a industrial like factory on its back this big yeah. flying thing called Yomatsumono, who uh, is, like, the size of, like, a city. Yes. Um, yeah, so they're they're rounding up these the, the yokai and, and throwing them in, inside of Yomatsumono's heart along with, uh, along with this discarded junk to create uh, these sort of evil monsters that are, that, you know, Almost evocative of like Terminators. Yeah, kind they're, of in they're a way. these like cyberpunk uh, kind of evil yo- cyberpunk yokai things that have like chainsaws and stuff attached to them, and right. they they move almost they're helicopters and motorcycles <laughs> yeah, yeah. and all this you know that yeah <laughs> right um, they're they're crazy um, so so a bunch of those things you know some of them some of them do manage to get away this one uh, Sunikosiri who is the yokai of shin rubbing. Um, 
<laughs> like we said, like if you feel something like, oh, did something just bump into my shin? Oh, I don't see anything. Oh, must have been a sunicosary. Sunico- like, <laughs> just that's how yeah. they come up with this stuff. <laughs> um, so he ends up coming across Tadashi, uh, who starts to take care of him. Um, Tadashi gets like cold feet because he encounters some of the yokai and. Uh, the one thing that this movie does a, a really excellent job of is kind of showing us that like uh, a yokai, even a friendly one, would since it's a, a monster, a spirit, a goblin, a demon type of thing would would probably be scary to encounter, even if it was friendly, ultimately. So he gets kind of scared because he kind of comes across some of the yokai, decides he wants to turn back, but then here's his grandfather calling for help. So he kind of runs into the fray um, and uh is he encounters um, uh, the masked spirit of the the Kieran Rider, or the the thing that chose the Kieran Rider, um, which I can't think of the name of it. It doesn't really it's matter. The he encounters the, like, yeah, the red, yeah. red, the red, the red mask. He encounters the actual spirit, um, uh, a a kappa who here is called a Kawataro, and um, another river sprite. Um, and, and they kind of become his like entourage as he goes and tries to reclaim or reclaim the sword. Um, they go and they try to claim the sword, um, from Daitengu, who is this giant, uh, kind of yokai who's very powerful. Uh, when they go and they get it, um, Agi is like, Oh, here I am now. And she kind of, you know, breaks up the party. Um, she really wants, uh, Dotengu's power because he's like he's very powerful and she's kind of collecting these powers for herself um, to be on her side so that she can curry favor with this Kato so that they can merge into one being inside that heart of Yamatsumono um, and she also destroys the sword uh, that they were the sword of the Kirin Rider so now the mission becomes to rescue another yokai from the Yamatsumono from the prison that's inside of him. Uh, this yokai would be the, uh, the the sword forger. Um, they need to rescue him so that they can get the sword reforged so that the boy can become the Kirin Rider and, and fight back. Um, they try to convince the other yokai to come with them, but um, unlike in Spook Warfare where the yokai, you know, after seeing uh, Daimon are like, well, we got to do something about that. In this movie, they're like, we're yokai. We don't care what happens to humans. Like, um, I'm a wall. I'm an umbrella. I'm just a woman with a long neck. I'm just a dude who likes to count beans. Like, we're not. We're not going to be fighting anyone. No. <laughs> um, so they end up though getting kind of tricked into all the yokai. Kind of get tricked into going to Tokyo when Yamatsumono goes there and like all the power and everything goes out, the yokai think, Oh, like humanity is being destroyed. It's going to be a party. Let's all go there. It's going to be fun. I love that scene because it's, it's like a weird game of telephone. Like somehow like, Hey, we all need to get together to fight the, this giant thing and these evil, like, me- like robots. Like somehow that gets turned into, there's a huge party in Tokyo and everyone's invited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, so our main little entourage go and they rescue the sword forger and he refor- he reforges the sword for them. And then all the yokai show up and there is a moment where the, the, 
the the red faced guy is like, "Hey, you all showed up," and they're like, "Yeah, thanks for inviting us to the party." And he's like, "What, the, what party? What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, while everyone is fighting, the uh, the Azuki Bean counter is is wandering around, and um, and I don't know if I want to spoil it, but uh, it it. it kind of ends up playing you you get the feeling that it's going to happen like this azuki bean counter is is really given a lot of screen time even though he's like i'm only just going to be around to count beans it's kind of like one of those you're like this guy's going to do something and i know he's going to do something (laughs) and i'm sitting here waiting for whatever he's going to be doing to happen um and it, it plays a big part in the uh in in the ending um, and then there's a little stinger afterwards that is just this uh, really um, <laughs> kind of sad, depressing final note to the mo- oh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. For um, sure. You know, because, uh, yes, our heroes do win, and I, I don't want to spoil how. But it's, a, it's a pretty fun little kind of twist of fate or whatever. But um, the end of the movie kind of flashes forward, and Tadashi is, is married. And he's a grown man. And uh, one of the things that's said throughout the movie is that you can't see a yokai unless you have like a childlike innocence to you. Um, one of the characters who kind of helps Tadashi, one of the human characters, can see them occasionally because he drinks. <laughs> and so that like lowers his inhibitions and, and it makes him, you know, more naive or whatever. And so he can see the yokai then. Um Tadashi is uh, Sunako Suri is like rubbing up against his shin, you know, trying to to make him notice him, and he just brushes right past him. Um, and then there's a, uh, a Kato reappears at the end, and it's it's this, yeah, it's a very it's, God, it's a dark ending. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Well, because you know, you see Sunako Suri, you know, he's he's fading. You know, and Tadashi doesn't notice him. You know, he's an adult. He can't see Yokai anymore. He's lost his innocence. And, you know, Sunakosuri is fading, and then, you know, you see this opaque shadow cast over him. And um, it's, it's Kato, and he is. He's real, kind of. Um, and the idea is, you know, adults that, you know, they lose their ability to believe in, you know, this innocent good, but their belief in evil stays with them. And, like, it ends on, yeah, it's a dark, kind of scary note. And, I mean, Mike said this, it says this is a kid's movie, but that's a really, like, wow, what the hell kind of (laughs) ending. But, I mean, it, it ties into so many... I mean, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll just kind of kick off my review portion. It deals with a lot. This movie is, is more layered than I think you might realize. Um, you know, Mike always kind of injects his movies with a lot of things. And, um, I mean, uh, Yomitsumono, you know, is, you know, talking about how wasteful we are and the, the concurrent theme is the loss of innocence. And it's, 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 it's essentially a coming of age story. You know, Tadashi is growing up through the course of the movie. It's his arc. 
And you see that uh, everywhere. You see it um, in how he confronts his fears. You see it um, in sexuality. You know, it's hinted at. You know, he wakes up and, you know, he's kind of staring at, at the, the, I guess, like the kind of mermaid girl. Like, he's kind of staring at her thigh. And by the end of the movie, he's he's an adult. And that kind of innocence that he has at the beginning of the movie is, is completely gone, but this evil is still there. And, um, the loss of innocence is kind of, that's a theme that Mike deals with a lot, uh, throughout his filmography. Um, and so, uh, I mean, even, I mean, I, I do think despite a darker, a dark ending, a weird cow fetus thing, and a few <laughs> other scenes that could be kind of scary. It's, it's a solid kids movie, but, there's enough thematic meat to it um, that an adult can can watch it and enjoy it and and actually have a little bit of you know there's it's still a little thought provoking in that sense. Um, uh, like Spook Warfare, a lot of yokai are featured heavily and they all kind of get cool moments. A lot of our favorites that we talked about uh, are back. Like uh, I know Matt. Liked the giant uh, woman, the giant head woman. Um, you know, you get to see her. The long-necked lady is back. We talked earlier. The effect isn't as good because it's kind of a. I will say this movie's pretty good about using practical effects, but it is, the long neck is kind of a wonky CG effect. Um, uh, the Kappa's back, uh, as goofy and obnoxious as he used to be, and. Um, uh, you know, cool, cool makeup there. Um, a lot, I mean, this movie has hundreds and hundreds of yokai costumes. Um, you know, I, I, I would think it's safe to say this movie had a pretty big budget. Um, and so many, they're almost all created practically until you get to the end where, you know, you see these shots of the city and it's covered in what has to be like millions. And so those are obviously CG, but, um, just hundreds of unique um, uh, costumes and suits were made. Um, the the little penis g- guy is back. Uh, uh, Sune Kosari is a, a cool addition. He's this adorable little hamster guy. The bean counter is a cool... Uh, He's a porg. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Caracasa is back. Um, the one that's like a like the the oil thief spirit or whatever that's like hay with like a big head he was featured in the old movies a lot he's back um the the bad robot yokai uh that are like forged out of a yokai and like wasted objects are like these kind of spooky like uh they almost move like in it with a jerky like stop motion kind of movement they're cg but they they move almost like stop motion um, models, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, the end is just a parade of practical costumes. Um, and for Mike enthusiasts, uh, Matt, I know you, Tom, you've seen the Zebra Man movies, right? Oh, yeah. One of the, one of the, uh, yokai that's, like, in the finale is the, um, <laughs> if you remember the, the guy with the crab head in <laughs> Zebra Man 1, <laughs> yeah, he's in there actually. Um uh the DVD has a cool feature that's like a yokai catalog where like you can read about each one. It's, it obviously doesn't have all like several hundred that were made, but 
Like you can kind of read each about each one and like look at a scene. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's it, it, this is a fascinating movie, and there's a lot there's a lot to it for a movie that's essentially a kids' film. Um, I really love it. Um, and uh, and yeah, and, and this one brings back a lot of the humor that we maybe only saw in the second of the original trilogy. And the humor is actually funny. Uh, it even gets a little bit meta. Um, like there's the one yokai that's like a giant like piece of paper that flies, and um, like when they're ca- the, they're trying to like talk everyone into to fighting Kato, and uh, he's trying to run away, and the kappa is grabbing him, and he's like, "You're always so brave in those Kitaro comics." Um, and then speaking of Mizuki, uh, there's a part where Tadashi and Sune Kosuri go to the Mizuki Yokai Museum, and uh, you know they they show the the statues of the yokai in the street because, um, like I said, he had his whole a whole street built after him in Japan. Um, and then at the end, he has a cameo where he shows up as like I guess what's essentially like the elder yokai, and he's like it's 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 Mizuki's head in a big box. You guys remember, he says, uh, I have it pulled up in front of me. He says, don't be a fool. There is a limit to foolishness. Wars not must, it must not happen. They only make you hungry. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so that's him. That's Mizuki, the, you know, the, the creator, basically. Um, uh, but, um, no, it's, uh, it's, it's a strong movie. Um, I really, really like it. Uh. What? Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree a lot. Is it a horror film? Is it a comedy? Is it a kids film? Is it an action film? It just feels very uneven. There's a lot of really good ideas, but like I don't like Augie's demise. the The way the movie ends is bizarre and incredibly stupid, and and then totally undoes everything the movie sets up, in my opinion. And that that's like what crushes the film for me. How? Well, I can't, like, Tom was so protective of the ending of the film, so I can't, like, say anything without giving it away. But, like, I just found it to be completely pointless and stupid. Like, I just found the entire premise dumb. Dumb. Uh, can, can you be more specific? Not without, no, I can't. Like, not without giving the, you, you set up the entire character, you set up the entire Kieran Ryder to be the hero. And then the way that the main villain is defeated is is... One of the most ridiculous, stupidest things I think I've is ever seen. It's not by force, but by love. It's dumb. Stupid. I don't think this film understands what it wants to be. It's like 20 minutes too long. I was bored. So so I guess Matt also hates like Monster Squad because that, you know, doesn't know yeah, whether it wants Monster to be... See, this is this is because this is this is actually legit from like my review. Like I just did a quick review of it. Like it's not stylistically like the Goonies or Monster Squad or, or you know Gremlins, um, because this is a this is an extremely Japanese film. Um, I mean, you know, Mike doesn't doesn't care about explaining to us uh, who or what Augie is. We should just know that Augie is the bird catching sprite. Like um, he doesn't bother to. Though this is stylistically a very Japanese film, it. Uh, is like those classic 80s kids movies where it's 
about kids. It features kids. It's entertaining for kids. Um, but it doesn't pander. So I, I, I think the movie knows exactly what it wants to be. Um, it's, it's a, it's, I, don't, I didn't like it at all, man. It's a, it's a kid's adventure movie and isn't afraid to actually have complex messages, which is what you get at the end, you know? Um, and it's worth noting that, that at the end, Kato does have red in his eyes. So he is, he, he has been changed by the ending. So your, your point that what happens with the beans and stuff is pointless and doesn't lead to anything is false because, um, you, the, the version of him at the end is very different. And I'm imagining if, a, if a sequel did happen, we would have gotten a, a new form of that character. The Azuki beans have have changed him um, fundamentally because they are uh, throughout the film built up as this kind of pure force of you know you eat these Azuki beans as strength to go on your Kirin Rider quest. They're they're good. The, the The grandfather sings a song about how Azuki beans are love, which again that, um, that's taken directly from Japanese folklore. Yeah, it, it 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 thematically all you know kind of ties together, and it and it, it, I mean, it provides for some thought provoking stuff. And uh, Chiaki Kuriyama is is not bad to look at, so that helps. And uh, and go and well, going back to the theme of love, I mean, when when Kato kills her, what does he say? He says, "Love is poison." You know, right? You've you yeah he doesn't want to join with her because she loves him right uh-huh. and and so what's the thing that can defeat him is love which is like i said is you know part that's what the azuki being represents so everything t- really ties together together thematically it's stupid man it's lame and stupid lame I didn't like it, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Nothing you said. It, it wasn't attacking it thematically. Thematically wasn't the issue. You build up this character. You build up yeah, this Kieran writer, And then you offset it with a bean. It's because, because he's just a kid who is trying to punch stuff to death. What I started off yeah, with is that the movie doesn't know is, if it wants is, to be a horror, doesn't know if it wants to be a comedy, can't tell if it wants to be a kids film, an action film. It's not really that funny. It's all it's of those that, things. It it's, knows it's, what I said is that it's so it's not, uneven to me. It's boring. Like I was literally like, God, please make this movie end. It's twenty minutes too long. I thought the ending, like off, I, I thought the ending undid all the good stuff that it was trying to set up. I get that thematically it makes sense. But it's about the but kid the having the... fact that it plays no? super cheesy music as it's killing or defeating the villain. Like, I was yanking out my hair. It's not funny. It's not entertaining. But And I love Mike. Mike's bizarre. That's what I love about Mike. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> no. Like, I mean, like that's what I love about all of his other films, but this one, like, it just didn't come together for me. I feel like... I, I it this is a weird one where like I don't know if I would have liked this as a kid, just because it is, and and this is where I I really w- will play the uh, the culture card so to speak. As a kid, I don't know if I would have liked it because it, it like I wouldn't have understood what the hell is happening. 
um, because me being an American kid wouldn't understand yokai like at all. Um, but I, I feel like this is like such a strong kids movie. Like I, I mean, and from what I hear, it's pretty damn popular in Japan. I imagine kids in Japan like love the crap out of this movie. I'm gonna go ahead and give this um, uh, a four out of five. Uh, um, angry Matt, Matt angry at Azuki beans. <laughs> I'm gonna give it four out of five of those. Yeah, um, yeah. I I think you know, like there there are a couple of, of flaws in this. You know, I don't think I don't think Kato's. You know, like they build up like him having an origin and and then never give him one. Well, well. Um, oh, hold on. I have some trivia. Well, go go back to your rating. I'll do trivia after the ratings. Uh, but but so they, that's that's like a bit of a flaw, you know. Um, and and there's there's a couple other things that are that are kind of like that. That just there's. There's there's not quite enough context given to everything, and um, I don't know if that's because I'm not Japanese or if it's because uh, there's just not enough context given. But it is it is a flaw. It is something that kind of uh, puts me at an an arm's length from the movie. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm at a very solid four on this one as well. All right, let Matt what give an honest rating too. Don't don't over 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 exaggerate. Oh, it's a one and a half. Oh my god. Tom, um uh I wanted to get back to you real quick about what you said about uh, Kato's origin. That character, um uh <clears throat> the character of uh Yasunori Kato is actually a very famous villain um in in Japanese like pop culture. Um there's a famous novel uh who just dropped off? Matt. Okay, well, he he doesn't like this movie anyway, so he doesn't even care. Uh, but um, he's actually a famous villain in like Japanese pop culture. He's from a novel uh, called Tokyo: The Last Megalopolis. Um, there was a couple like anime adaptations. Um, yeah, and and there was a movie directed by Akio Jisoji, who like he's famous for a lot of Ultraman stuff. But um, it's a very dense novel that's basically a f- historical supernatural fiction like retelling of like the history of tokyo and japan and kato is this uh like resurrected incarnation of this um like uh military guy and he's trying to wipe out tokyo and you know uh basically take it over is revenge for um for being killed like in I, like the t- like way back when when he was in the military um, so, like, the the book and, I guess, the adaptations, furthermore, kind of tell the history, but, like, Kato is, orga- he's, like, in the shadows, like, there's an er- earthquake, okay, he that was, like, an attempt of his to, he orchestrated that to try and, like, wipe out Japan. Um, it's a very, okay. f- yeah, it's a famous story, and um, if you just Google the name, you'll see pictures of him. Um, he wore... Kind of a um, a similar suit to where, what he wears in the movie with the pentagrams and stuff, because he's like an occult figure. But um, he wears like the same kind of military hat and cape, uh, and um, his his look is actually what M. Bison was based on from yeah. Street Fighter. So he's actually this might it might be where there's a little bit of a culture gap there because he is like a famous. Like ca- character, it's like, how, like a like, Japanese person would know. Yeah, yeah. Like it would be like um, if 
some random movie came out and it's like it's like, like okay say like suicide squad like everyone knows the joker you know you don't need to see right it. okay yeah, so it's kind of a thing like that yeah and yeah okay and yeah you'd be like uh they didn't give me enough origin for this white-faced guy okay yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting that he's in the movie. I guess um, I because even I I never really understood it, and I, I was looking it up, and I guess that novel that he's from um, is owned by Katakawa Publishing. So my guess is like when they took over Daie, they were like, "Oh, hey, we have this character. Like, why not just use him in something?" Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, interesting. The more you know. Yeah, I'm trying to find the this. So this movie is, I mean. In 2005, it made as much money as Shin Godzilla's budget. So, and it's, I'm sure its budget wasn't that high either. Yeah, it, like, was, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, Great Yokai War was high pretty budget successful. film, yeah. but it's certainly not a $20 million movie. Yeah. And like Media Blasters put it out on like a really nice two disc edition with a whole disc of making ofs and there's little short films like one is all about like the cop <laughs> gets arrested and like is getting interrogated there's <laughs> another one watched any of those yeah there's another one called whose hotcakes are these <laughs> like there's a whole <laughs> there's a uh making of like on the cg and another one about like all the suits that they, that they made so um i mean it's a movie that had legs yeah gamera is the one that was like oh never mind i'll just come out and not make money I guess we'll wrap up. Do you have anything else? I, these are four really good movies. They're really good to watch this time of year. Um, and uh, yeah, and- I think these movies. Um, you know, we we previously did the uh, the mutant films, and and yeah, there's some element of of horror to them because of the you know the kind of sort of body horror type of stuff. But uh, those movies have a more much more sci-fi uh, mm-hmm. bent to them. Uh, these these definitely you know um, especially spook warfare, uh, hundred monsters and and this one have a have a very you know kind of hollow and yeah. and it's funny because uh, along with ghosts I did really like but that one is maybe the least kind of Halloweeny mm-hmm. um, but yeah this 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 movie and spook warfare for sure and these it's funny because those are the two that are the easiest to find in America um, you can get this movie for like. I don't know, you know, ten or fifteen bucks on Amazon. You can get uh, Spook Warfare for like fifteen to twenty bucks on Amazon. Um, you're buying them used, but still, I mean, they're they're. I, that's where I got both of my copies yeah. from, and they're fine. Um, and and yeah, it's th- these are the ones that are the easiest to find, but they're the the best for this time of year. Yeah. Um, and the the cool thing are, is, like, this is like a gateway into like learning more about like like i i just watch the yokai movies and like oh i like them as like monster movies or horror movies or whatever but like that piqued my curiosity about yokai and like japanese folklore and like um like i've re- i've looked at a couple books like i've looked at some other movies like matt and i just did kwaidan uh, one of the stories in there is the snow woman who's a famous yokai she shows up in some of this this stuff um and like and yeah like i mean you can learn a lot about like this is these can be educational in learning about like the japanese culture in a way 
And I mean, if you check these movies out and you want to know more about yokai, like uh, another movie that's a lot of fun is Sakuya, Slayer of Demons, um, directed by Tomo Haraguchi, who did like the Gamera effects. Um, there's a lot of yokai specifically designed after like the Daiei versions. Um, there's a lot of books about yokai, like um, uh, a good like entry level, like really fun, brisk read is Yokai Attack, the Japanese Monster Survival Guide by Matt Alt and Hiroku Yoda. It's a really like breezy kind of field guide with cool illustrations. They just uh, they just translated like a old. Japanese like encyclopedia on yokai, which I've been planning to get. Um, if you want to know more about Mizuki and Gege no Kitaro, some of the mangas available here. Um, there's a good piece by Justin Mullis on Mazer Patrol about Mizuki and specifically his influence over kaiju genre. I mean, there's a lot of like really interesting reading on this stuff, and these movies are a good entry level. Um, you know, you might learn something. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I guess we'll sign out. It's three thirty in the morning. I got to work in the morning, um, and uh, I'm definitely past my bedtime. So, all uh, right, yeah. So Tom, thanks Happy for joining. Yeah. Happy Halloween! Thanks for joining me, and um, thanks for having us or <laughs> yeah. having me. Yeah, right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I'll talk to you later. All right. All right.